0: This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 81.
1: Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy.
0: Just a little heads up, the recording comes in lower quality because I recorded outside. This is not what it usually sounds like on the Positive Psychology podcast, in case you're listening for the first time. Enjoy, nevertheless. Hey, my dear podcast listeners, I am recording this outside because I've been trying to find the right words, and they don't seem to come to me when I sit at the desk because. Uh, A lot of, yeah, there's just so much to say and so much to feel at this moment in time that I felt I'll do what I usually do when I want to get a little bit of clarity, and that is to go for a walk. And I would encourage those of you who are shocked by what happened during election night to go on a lot of walks as weird as it sounds if it's safe go for walks walking has something that's very very grounding and it's timeless it's it's something timeless that we can do with our body and i believe it's one of the great graces of being human apart from for example crying which is also a good thing to to cope with what's going on now, I know that some of you would just wish that you could wake up and it was all a dream. I I know that a lot of you have fantasized about moving to Canada or somehow turning back time and Whatever it takes to reverse the outcome of what just happened, and I think that's a a very normal reaction to something so momentous. It's this kind of event is basically like a loss, a, a loss, a big loss, in the so maybe even comparable to to a loss in the family, in the extended family. Um, you lost certain ideas about what kind of country you live in. Ideas and ideals that were and still are important to you. You, some of you who were particularly rooting for this idea of the first female president, maybe lost, at least temporarily, this belief that you know, we live in a world where women can truly achieve even the highest positions. And I I really get that. I understand that. I, I can't even fathom how it feels for maybe if some of you have even, you know, volunteered and put in energy. I I heard a story about a woman who has volunteered for about two years on the Clinton campaign. Uh, every second she got off of work, and and that is devastating to to lose after, yeah, placing so much hope in something. Now, as as hard as this might be, I find it not that easy to... You know, my brain tends to go to solutions very, very quickly. And I know that some of you might not be ready yet for... More than a hug, and lots of warm beverages, and snuggles, and walking by the fire, and if it's your thing, maybe going to church, or whatever else you do to cope with what happens. But that's not how my mind works. Um, I'm, I'm really, actually, weirdly full of optimism, and I... That's not because I was secretly, like, grouting and hoping for Trump. Let me tell you why I am filled with optimism. And I hope that some of that can rub off on you. Um, I don't expect that to be an immediate process. My hope is not that you listen to this podcast and you're transformed, although that won't be wonderful. It's more that you hear some ideas that when the time is right you know, you might remember them and possibly consider how you can, you know, act according to these ideas and make them your own, to to act them out in ways that are in line with your talents and values and strengths that you bring to this world. Now, there is such a thing as... Being just, you know, content enough. Content enough means that, you know, not everything is perfect, um, but if there's something up, you suffer in private, you... things are kind of not bad enough to kind of, you know, get us out of our comfort zone, to get us out of our usual behavior and thinking patterns. And while I was not exactly hoping for this to happen, I felt very uncomfortable about the prospect that Hillary Clinton would win and America would go on pretending that these 50 million people, or 60 million, I'm not sure, something like that, who are really discontent who feel left behind that you know you're that, that America would just go on to ignore them and just be like, well Republican Party go sort yourself out. That's your problem now. And the reason that scared me was that when people feel that they have been unfairly treated, resentment builds and builds and builds and builds until it explodes in ways that can't be controlled. If we go back, I mean, I I was really quite bored during history lessons, but that's something that stuck with me, that big wars often happened or were even possible because People, the people of the country had felt very humiliated and that by putting another group down or by fighting other groups, they could regain some feeling of strength that they definitely do not have during their day-to-day life. Because this election turned out as... Shockingly different than uh, most people thought it would there. There is no way Uh, We can't pretend like oh wow these people, you know, they're they're a a group of white angry men and, and that's it If we are smart If we learn our lessons We might actually consider listening. And I know this is a hard thing to say because, you know, a lot of you are like, why would I validate someone who is openly racist? Why would I indulge them in spreading their hate and all of that? And I get that. Um, The problem is this, that people who feel the need to express hate are first and foremost, as cliched as this sounds, deeply, deeply hurt. And that is true if we look at ourselves. And that is true when we look at groups of people. I... I don't want to pretend that um, you know I'm I'm sitting here in a country that's relatively stable and peaceful, and I'm just looking over there and feeling like, oh, you poor Americans, you know, just I have all the answers and you deal with it my way. I, I it's not about that, actually. Um, I feel what happened in the U.S., uh, what happened in England in June, uh, could be happening all over Europe very soon, and. That is something that I feel... You know, that freaks me out. Um, It doesn't freak me out to have one person necessarily as president. Because I don't have this illusion that if, you know, Donald Trump were not the president, that all the anger, resentment, and fear, and hurt, and all these other things would just magically disappear. They wouldn't. And I prefer to know what I'm dealing with because positive change requires transparency. If we have all these things festering, you know, in the rural countryside of the United States and nobody's entirely clear on the extent of it, it's um, very hard to, to affect positive change. But now that we kind of are starting to grasp the magnitude of this, it is my hope that those of us who can or could, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but in a few months or in a few years, get to a stage where we can really start listening to each other. Because you know, the polls, the thing with politics and polls is that polls make it sound like there is one, you know, one block, unified block of angry white men. And they all, you know, put it together and that's what happened. And But each of these men has a story. Um, some of them, probably quite a lot of them, have lost their jobs. And have never gotten back a job that would help them. To feed their family and send their their children to college, and uh, some of them actually voted for Barack Obama four years ago. You know, it's not like it's not like they are all the same person. They're not, and I know this because you know I've. It's not like I, I know a lot of people like so many of us. I also tend to live a bit in a bubble and I think most people do the internet makes it even easier to live in a bubble because you know obviously I want to hang out with people who can you know who are interested in the mission I have in this world and um, and you know I, I I have to think wisely about how I spend my time but I've had the privilege to meet people um, many, many years ago, who I know for a fact voted uh, for Trump. And one of them is a woman. I know for a fact that she's not racist. She actually got married to a Japanese-American. So... I mean I know that doesn't mean that you're not automatically not a racist but it kind of gives you an indication right i mean if you think that every other race is inferior to yours you're not going to you know marry someone from you know from who's asian american or something like that and you know she kept posting things on facebook and and there were times when it was when i when i got a bit you know well, even me i got a bit like oh come on should I just, you know, turn her stuff off? And I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't because I I was very curious to see how she would react after this victory. And she's been actually very gracious. She's been putting up articles um, that explain to people who voted democratically um, in very rational and kind of quite nice ways, like what the discontent was and and how you know, a lot of people chose to ignore really troubling issues. Um, and, you know, if you... It's easy to think that we live in a world which is made up of racists and not racists. Uh, people are open to other people's sexual orientation and those who are not. And that it's this weird, you know, battle between good and evil and I can see how I can appear that way but one reason why it does is that we usually don't take the time to get to know people who are different than us and that is something that I've I've done my best for the last 10-15 years to especially during my travels to kind of talk to people um, to kind of figure out their worldview, to see you know what what kind of ideas do they have that could make me a more a more loving person, a more fair person, um, a more appreciative person, and I have never been to a country I've never met a group of people where there weren't people. Who could teach me something about those things? Never. Anywhere. There are groups of people that, you know, you tend to get along with better. Um, Like me! (laughs) I get along better with English-speaking people than Swiss people, although I grew up here all my life, you know? Weird confession, but it's actually true. But that doesn't change the fact that we as humans have a lot in common. We do. I'm not just... Saying this uh, to to calm you down I'm saying this because it's a it's a fact that when you look at how our biology works, when you look at our desire to bring something to society through the work we do every day through the relationships we have, that although we are different in many ways, we are also Very, very like, And right now I'm seeing this troubling tendency among people who voted for Clinton to talk about, like, decency has lost and love has lost and racism is winning and misogyny is winning and all of these things. And I'm not going to pretend like these things don't exist. I'm I'm not going to pretend like it wouldn't be the case that maybe some individuals feel that now they can be a bit more m- more racist than, you know, more openly than they were maybe 2 years ago. I I don't I don't want to pretend that's the fact. But what I do see and I find troubling is that we keep harping on about how uneducated all these people are. We keep um, harping on about how no decent person could ever have voted for Trump. And I find that troubling because we are the ones who say that we believe in love. And that means We don't just tell others to love. That we don't just bitch about those who don't love the way that we do. Same goes for decency. We do not become decent because we point our finger at someone else and say that they're not decent. We become decent, and we are decent, and we have to be decent every day by believing that every human has a right to be here, that every human deserves a certain respect. Even though we might not agree with anything we know about them. And that even if someone is less educated than we are, that we never forget that that academic knowledge doesn't necessarily equip us in the emotional or the psychological realm. And I've, I've seen that firsthand, you know. Um, talking about positive psychology talking about gratitude is one thing sharing sharing the research results and all of that that's one thing but when I do coaching and uh, when I you know, give workshops and seminars and classes and stuff like that I notice that people pay attention to who is this human who's talking to me about gratitude. Who is this human who's talking to me about enjoying the moment and being present in the moment, the value of all of that? Do I see any evidence that this human not only talks about these things, but actually lives those things? And there's actually research that shows that something between 40 and 60 percent of the success of any kind of treatment you know and comparing like regular therapy and coaching and positive psychology and all these things that 40 to 60 percent is their relationship it's about what do people sense in those who share messages with them. And if we cry out for decency, but we do it by insulting other people, if we proclaim love, but we exclude everybody who's different and who does not agree with us, people detect a mismatch. And things just don't seem very honest. And that is hard, you know? Sometimes I wish it were as easy as just you know, passing on the facts. There you go, run with it. You have the science, now do it. But actually I'm glad because positive change is a lifelong project. Positive change is not about who is president. Positive change is not about who is your boss or your spouse. Positive change is aligning with what you believe in and taking as many opportunities... As you can to express those things that are important to you. I am very troubled by expressions such as white trash. It hurts my heart. It hurts my heart just as much as the remarks that Donald Trump has made about women, you know. And it hurts my heart because of two things. Number one: the choice of words that people use show what they really think about, certain things, right? So if you refer to a human as trash" as something that, that means that on some level, at least a part of you believes that they are expendable that they smell bad and that they should be removed with a garbage truck the second reason it troubles me is that it shows me that as long as I live in a world where people can talk about women or a particular group of people in a way like that It means that the world is obviously at odds with what I would like it to be, and that's a painful realization. It's painful when we understand that the world is not what we hoped it is. When we see that we were maybe wrong, it's disillusioning, and that disillusion hurts. My father used to say, you know, in German, the word for disillusion is enttäuscht. And it's actually something that you can translate to English very well. Disillusion means that there was an illusion before, and now that illusion was shattered. Um, Delusions can be really nice things, like that we live in a peaceful country, or that we live in a fair country. And, of course, we can grief for a moment. We can, we can and we should take as long as we possibly can, as long as we possibly need, not as long as we possibly can, as long as we possibly need to come to terms with that. But then, there's this thing that we can do And that's what I mean with it doesn't matter who's president, doesn't matter who your boss is, doesn't matter all these things. And that's about an inner decision. And the inner decision is about the fact that no matter what is happening around you, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be the person who's sharing every racist tweet? to show how bad everything is? Even with the best intentions, you are spreading the ideas of the racist. Or, do you wanna be the person who asks different questions? The kind of questions such as, how do I stand up for people in my daily life when they are not treated fairly. What can I do when I see that people around me lose hope? And how can I truly become a hopeful person? Because that is probably the most powerful thing. If we repeat inspirational words it's a good start, but if we can't put our heart and our convictions into it, there is unfortunately very little leadership. And that brings me to the reason why I feel optimistic about all of this. Before. Donald Trump came around, some of you would have important discussions with, say, your daughter about women's rights and about the fact that the world sometimes makes you feel that if you don't do certain things, if you don't look a certain way, that you don't stand a chance in this world as a woman, and that you might be good enough for something least, you know, we can go to universities now, but, you know, as evidenced, some paths will just be blocked. Now, I suddenly hear all these people are like, what shall I tell my daughter? The pain of having something so grossly at odds with what we believe to be right forces us to have more communication with the people we love before when's the right moment when everything is sort of okay when's the right moment to have these discussions with your daughter because you know they could elicit painful questions so why why bring that up on yourself you know now i'm not saying none of you did this i'm sure a lot of you did this we as humans have this tendency to avoid things that are uncomfortable unless something else hurts us so much that the only way out of that is to push through this discomfort. And that's the reason why I'm actually feeling very, very hopeful about what is going on now. Before, we knew that our black brothers and sisters were suffering we we might have been disgusted we might have shared a few facebook posts <laughs> but most of us were too busy with our own lives to do anything about it and now maybe we are suddenly at the receiving end of that kind of crap and that is terrifying It's terrifying to think that, but at the same time, we should realize that a lot of the people who we profess to defend have been living through years, decades, some of them even hundreds of years of this kind of stuff, and now we have only just woken up to it. I think one way that we can do something about this is to take this as an opportunity to ask different questions of ourselves, of our friends and family, of the people who govern us, and whoever else we come in contact with. We can ask questions such as, how do we prevent the spread of violence? How do we make sure that all the horror scenarios that we are thinking about might happen? How can we prevent them? And the problem with that question is that that's focusing all our energy on blocking stuff now I'm not saying that sometimes things don't have to be blocked they do but one problem that we have is that we don't really deeply understand how social positive positive social change works we often think that with demonstrations and things like that that's that's what you have to do you have to make it transparent you have to show everybody where the problem is and, and then things can change but actually there's a different way and a way more productive way and that is being part of something that is simply so much better so much more attractive so much more empowering that people do not long for the old. Think about it. Stupid example, maybe, but do you remember the days before Google came along? Like how startlingly weird results that search engines gave you, weren't you? Did anybody have to convince you to use Google? Or did you just try it out and were like, whoa, I'm gonna delete all the bookmarks, of all the other weird search engines, because this just gives me so much better results? What I'm talking about is that if we learn to live by our values, if we learn that we shouldn't wait for someone to rescue us, but that it's precisely these kinds of situations which bring forth the best leaders, and that they were not necessarily planning to be that big leader all their life, but that external forces made them step up because simply nobody else did. And obviously not all of us can become heads of great movements. But, maybe, if we can even teach our family how to react in a constructive way when we hear some kind of weird tirade on TV that doesn't reflect our values, and instead of just saying how bad it is that we actually have discussions about, well, what value was violated here? And what can we do today, tomorrow, next week to strengthen that very value through little actions and big actions? If some of us decide to do that, then I'm actually quite excited about what could happen. I think if this crushing defeat makes us more humble makes us consider the idea that we clearly clearly missed a lot about what was going on in the world that we might start asking some questions instead of assuming that we know why people voted the way they did that we learn to ask people about what's important to them, what is going on in their world, and receiving those answers without immediately judging people, then I think this can actually be something really good. If, because of this election, more of you decide that the outside world is maybe not the right place to depend on your sanity, but that it makes sense to build something. No idea what music this is, by the way. Um, to build something. To ask... Questions. You know, to say that the world has changed overnight is not true. Now more than ever, people need you. They need you to point out reasons for hope. They need you to show them that even though it's not easy for you, you make an effort to understand people are not like you. And you might not be there yet, and that's okay. You might not be in a place where you feel that you can even respect people who voted differently than you do. And that's fine, because if that is the case, it's a great opportunity for you to link into that part of yourself, to recognize that maybe there is a little bit of hate in you, and you wish it, you maybe wish it weren't that way, but it is, and that if you sit with that hate, you don't judge it, you let it be, you don't run from it but you don't exactly feed it either, that you can grow out, slowly expand, slowly expand your heart's capacity to include others. And that's not a process that happens in one or two days. That's a lifelong process. We all have preferences, we all have people we get along with more easily than others. What's the point talking about love and acceptance, virtue of diversity? Who are the role models for the kids and for the hopeless, if not those people who believe in those things? So, I feel a great deal of responsibility to make sure that stories which do not serve you that you do not let social media media in general and the people around you that you don't let those stories become hardened truths that keep hurting you For years or possibly even decades to come. I feel responsible. To give you. This feeling that. Even if you're not. Feeling like you can. Have a safe haven inside of you. That is worth. Trying that. And that wants you succeed in building that kind of stability that you can serve the people around you, that you can bring to the world this idea that we are stronger together and possibly better and possibly more convincing than any different or alternative outcome. And this race could have had. For now, this is all. I'm sure I've forgotten lots of points. I'm sure when I listen through to this, I'll be like, why didn't you say this and that, but that doesn't matter. Because I'm definitely planning on uh, one possibly two more episodes about this because I have a lot of thoughts about how I feel that politics could be informed by the ideas of positive psychology and constructive journalism. And we'll talk about more of that later. I wish you that you can see the disorientation you feel right now Not as something that will stay with you forever, not as this horrible, as evidence that the world is horrible, but that you can see it as a necessary part of transformation. These are growing pains because your soul wants to become bigger. I really believe that. You want to become bigger. You don't want to be caught in this narrative that there's the racists, and then there's you, and you can't do anything about it. You're bigger than that. And they are actually bigger than that, too, if we let them. Goodbye, and um, talk to you soon.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen@strengthphoenix.com. at For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthsphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yoghurt.